Um, I want to thank you all for coming out to hear the word this morning. I know that there are a lot of things that you can be doing this morning. But instead, you came out and you chose to hear the word of God. Today, I want to talk about man's no longer separation from God. All right. I want to talk about about I want to talk about man's no longer separation from God. You know, I've seen this plenty of times and maybe some of you have seen this too. Um advertisements, commercials, previews on TV and on the internet where they often advertise horror movies, okay? Where they often or where they af- often advertise horror movies. All right? Now now what often happens the plot of a lot of these movies is that one day everything is fine. The world is the way the world is. Everybody going about their daily lives, okay? Then overnight an apocalyptic event happens. A scary, horrible, apocalyptic event happens. All right. Now, after this apocalyptic, apocalyptic event happens, you end up seeing dead people. Okay. Walking around the city. They made movies after it. Um, one of the most famous movies that they have made after it. Was one that takes place in the 1950s. It's called Night of the Living Dead. Alright. You will never catch me watching that movie again. That movie. Nearly scared me to death. Okay. Now the point I'm trying to make is the point I'm trying to make is that something not quite like that and bear with me. Don't say oh this guy's crazy. Listen to what he's saying. Something not quite like that happened before. Well, what do you mean? What do you what are, what are you saying? You're, you're going you're going way off base. You're, you're saying that a bunch of dead people were walking around, you know, a, a, after after um an apocalyptic event. What do you, what do you, what are you saying? Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter twenty seven. Verses 45 through 54, and you will see what I'm saying, okay? Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 through 54. I want to paint a picture of what the scene is like. Okay. Before I talk to you about what I want to talk to you about. Okay. Now the scene going on right now is very scary. It's a very scary, very eerie feeling. All right. Especially to those who did not believe in Christ Jesus. All right. 
especially to those who did not believe in Christ Jesus. Read with me. Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 through 54. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sebakdeni. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. I really want to paint the scene of what's going on, okay? Jesus is dying on a cross, okay? He's dying and so many things are happening. Rather, I should say so many things are changing In this world, when he dies and while he is dying on the cross. And yet these people who are so busy mocking him. Laughing at him, they don't even see what's going on. Okay. Let's take a look at some of the things that was happening. That. That was sort of unusual that day. All right. I'm going to read this again. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. Right there. That's, now that's something very out of the ordinary. Because for those who don't know, um, the sixth hour... Um, when mentioned in the Bible, it's referring to 12 o'clock noon, noontime, 12 o'clock p.m. All right. So from 12 noon to 3 o'clock p.m., a darkness just came out of nowhere and just fell over the land. All right. In the middle of the day, the darkness came out of nowhere and just overtook the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sebakthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. 
Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. Now, this is that apocalyptic event that I was speaking of. All right. This massive earthquake was happening all throughout Jerusalem. Okay. All throughout Jerusalem. How do I know it was a massive earthquake? The Bible doesn't say it was a massive earthquake. It doesn't say it was a massive earthquake, but it says that the rocks were split. So if you know it was massive, if it shook so hard that the rocks had split in two. All right. And it said that the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Again, that's something that's very out of the ordinary. And that's what I want to talk to you particularly today. Now, after this apocalyptic earthquake, and the graves of the saints were opened, excuse me, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, I don't have to say that that is out of the ordinary, okay? When, when graves start opening, and people who you thought have been dead for one thousands of year for thousands of years, all right? People have, who you have seen die, or people who have who are known to be dead for thousands of years, all of a sudden they start walking out of their tombs and walking out of their graves. And just start appearing to a lot of people. I don't have to tell you that that is out of the ordinary. I do want to, I do want to point this out though. Okay. It wasn't, don't think that it was everybody who had died all of a sudden they started coming out from the grave that's not what i'm saying okay it said the body of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised what does that mean by falling asleep it means that it means that although yes physically they had died all right spiritually they were just waiting for this event to happen. They were just waiting for Christ Jesus to be that final sacrifice so that when Jesus Christ had died, finally, all of these, all of these um, saints, all of the spirits of these saints could finally be with the Lord. All right. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the son of God. Now, I want to talk about that verse, verse 54, a little later. All right. Because believe it or not, it might not seem like it is. But that's actually a very important point that we need to take into consideration. All right. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake 
and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Go back with me to verse 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. Mark chapter 15, verses 37 through 39 says, And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly. This man was the son of God. Again, verse 50, verse 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. You know, growing up, one of the things I always loved to look at, I loved, I really enjoyed looking at these specific things. They were called optical illusions. All right. Now, the definition of an optical illusion is something that deceives the eye by appearing to be other than it is. All right. Particularly, my favorite optical illusion is um, this picture when, if you look at it, first thing you see at first glance, as soon as you look at it, you see a picture of an old man. But if you really look closely, all right? you'll find that it's not really an old man. It's actually a picture of a dog. All right. Now, I am going somewhere with this. So, as we read verse 51, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. Okay. That doesn't, you know, that seems pretty natural. When the earth quakes, you know, naturally stuff falls apart, all right? There is often debris, all right? We've seen it on the news before when earthquakes happen around the world. There's rubble that falls. There's debris that shatters everywhere, okay? Um... We may have learned in the past that the safest place to be in a house during an earthquake is between a door frame, particularly in the middle of the house. Why? Because that's the strongest point in the house. That's the that's the part that supports the rest of the house. And we know that when there's an earthquake, things are going to be falling down around you. All right. And we want to hide between the door frame that we know is going to support us. All right. And we hide behind this door and we hide underneath this door frame so that we do not get hit with any falling debris. And to people who live in these earthquake prone places around the world, this comes to them naturally. Whenever a tremor hits, whenever an earthquake hits and they're in their house, first place they go to, under a door frame. Because that's the sturdiest part of the house. And it comes to them naturally. All right. 
But see, what we don't notice in verse 51, what we don't see at first, okay? Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. What we don't notice is how it says how the temple veil was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, why was it torn from top to bottom? All right. Why was it torn from top to bottom and not ripped from the bottom up? Okay. Because it would be more natural if it were ripped from the bottom up. All right. Because that's where the ground. That's that's what happens when the earthquake happens. The ground splits. So naturally. All right. If the if the veil was going to tear. Usually it would tear from the bottom up. So. Why. Was this specific veil in the temple torn from the bottom up? Well, remember what I said. This is something that's very out of the ordinary. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament a little bit. I'm going to talk about the Old Testament a little bit and explain to you why this was a bit out of the ordinary. See, this temple veil, this large, large temple veil had served a very, very important purpose. All right. Now, the purpose of this veil. All right. Was that it separated. The most holy place in the world, okay, which held the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, okay, it separated that from the rest of the world, okay, a world that was filled with sin and wickedness, all right, a world that was unworthy and could not have any connection with God. This veil was what separated the two. This separated the most holy place from the rest of the world. No man, no man could see what was on the other side of this veil. Unless you were a priest. And a priest could only see. What was behind this veil. One day. Throughout the year. And that was on the day of atonement. Now what would happen on the day of atonement. Is that. The priest. Would take sacrifices. And they would go behind this veil. All right. Toward the Ark of the Covenant. Now sitting on top. Of this Ark. Was a gold lid. Okay. And this was the place for. Um, for where. These priests. Would sprinkle the blood of these sacrifices. Okay. And this, this blood represented atonement for their sins. And this could happen only once a year. Now, I want you to imagine how hard that must have been back then. Okay. 
even the most, even for the most faithful person who remained steadfast to God. Okay, even the most righteous people that we read about in the Bible who remain steadfast to God throughout their entire life. And remember, a lot of the people in the Old Testament lived to be very old. Picture that just because they lived in that time. All right. And Christ had not come yet. If they were to ask God for forgiveness on any given day, God would not forgive them on that specific day. That person would have to remember that specific sin that they committed, okay? They would have to wait for the Day of Atonement. All right. To when they could finally ask for God's forgiveness. And even so, when they go into this place, all right. They could not even see. Where their sacrifices were being taken. It would be handled by the priests. Okay. And the priests would carry out the job for them. Because they were the only ones who were considered worthy enough to go back there. And if anyone else was to go back there. They would, they would die, like instantly die. Because when you go back there, all right, you are looking at a place that's, that represents the presence of God. And if anyone were to ever look upon God, they would die. Okay. So that's like picture you have picture you have a billionaire, okay? And this billionaire has one manager, okay? Has one manager managing all of his finances, okay? This billionaire doesn't even know his financial manager personally all right doesn't know too much about him other than his job is to manage his money okay now he's not even allowed to ask his financial manager what he's doing with his money all right He just has to trust him with his billions of dollars, okay? Can't ask any questions. He just has to trust him because that's his job, all right? You don't know what this financial manager can be doing with your money, with your billions of, 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 of dollars, okay? That's how it was back then. All right. You weren't even allowed to go back there to give your sacrifices to the Lord. You had to give it to the priest who would then present it to the Lord. And you don't even know what, you know, what kind of, what kind of priest these were, if they were corrupt or what. You don't know how they're handling, you know, your your um your atonement sacrifices all right and if they mishandled it then hey you're the one who who is up the creek can you imagine living in a time like that 
we live, okay, can you imagine living in a time like that? We live in a um, time where the only thing that is separating us from God is a curtain, all right? That's how it was. Because we did not have Christ Jesus as that final sacrifice. All right. The, the sacrifice to end all sacrifice. The Lamb of God. Okay. We didn't have him yet. Now, I want to talk about this curtain for a little bit. I know this might... You know, seem, I know this might sound boring a little bit. You know, you, you might say, well, where is he going with this? All right. Listen, because this is very important. I want to talk about this curtain a little bit. Okay. That separated the world from the presence of God, all right? This was not your average house curtain, your average home curtain, okay? These curtains, this veil, whichever you want to call it, this veil was a long woven curtain that was purple, scarlet, and blue. Those colors were considered royalty. All right? Purple and scarlet and blue. Those were colors of royalty. All right? Now, this curtain, this veil was 60 feet long. 60 feet long. And it was 30 feet wide. And it was four inches thick. That is a very, very big curtain. All right. It was not something that, that can be torn by human strength. It was that strong. It was that thick. Okay. Now, remember everything that I just said. All right. And remember how strong and how big this curtain was, how massive this curtain was. All right. And how it cannot be torn by human hands. Now, fast forward a little bit back to where. This curtain had torn in two from top to bottom. All right. Why did it, why did the temple veil tail tore, excuse me, in two from top to bottom? Well, because when Christ Jesus died, the second, the split second, as soon as Christ Jesus died. A change had happened. All right. It was no longer. Required. For us. To give. Offerings and sacrifices. To God. To atone for our sins. That was no longer. Required of us. Okay. We were no longer cut off from from God. We were no longer separated from God. This curtain which for thousands of years had kept us apart from God no longer had that power. All right. 
no longer had that power. Because when Christ Jesus died, he was that final atonement. He died for the atonement of our sins. All right. How many, how many of you will ever see another Christian, another believer in Christ? How many of you will ever see another Christian offer a sacrifice to God? Or how many of you will ever hear of a, of a true believer in Christ building an altar to burn sacrifices for God? You won't hear that anymore. All right. The reason why is because God gave us his son to be the final sacrifice. And in doing so, in doing so, God is now or Jesus Christ is now our salvation. Okay? Killing a ram is not our salvation. Killing a goat is not our salvation. Killing a lamb is not our salvation. All right. Killing um, a bird is not our salvation. Lighting incense, that is not our salvation. All right. We no longer have to do that once a year. Christ Jesus is our salvation. Once he died on the cross... Once he died on a cross, um, yeah, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me. Once he died on that cross, he had took away and washed away our sins. We now have the opportunity to receive Christ Jesus into our heart, okay, and in doing so, we no longer have to offer sacrifices to God. All right? It's now a one-time thing. One and done. Ask Christ Jesus into your life. You accept him into your life. Holy Spirit comes into your life. Jesus washes away your sins. All right. And you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. There is no longer anything stopping us. From asking Christ Jesus for forgiveness when we want to. All right. But that still leaves the question. That still leaves the question. Why was the temple veil torn from the top to bottom? This was no accident, all right? This was no accident. This was no coincidence, all right? This is not just something that happened throughout all the chaos going on during the earthquake, okay? This happened for a reason. Remember I told you how strong and how big this temple veil was, all right? 60 feet long, all right? Four inches thick. 
and how I said that it could not be torn by human hands. The reason why it was torn from top to bottom is because this was showing that only God could tear this temple veil. It was supernatural that only God could tear this temple veil because when Jesus Christ had died, that removed the separation between God and man. All right. There was no more separation between God and man. And it was Jesus Christ who did that. All right. Man could not do that. So it was very symbolic that it had torn from top to bottom. All right. And the point was that it took the mighty hand of God himself to tear it supernaturally. All right. Only God can tear this veil. We remember reading. This is a very famous verse amongst Christians. We remember reading when Jesus had said, I am the way the truth and the light. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Is it no one cometh unto the Father except through animal sacrifices? Is it no man cometh unto the Father except through the Day of Atonement? Is it no man cometh unto the Father except through the priest? Christ Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father except through him. And when Christ Jesus died, he proved those words. He proved those words. All right. The veil then torn in two. Removing the separation between man and God. All right. Now we come to God. By Jesus Christ. By accepting his son into our life. All right. We no longer have to go through this long. Tiring. Process. Just to ask God for forgiveness. We no longer have to do that. All right. All we have to do is accept Christ Jesus into our lives. You know, in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, we read specifically why the veil was torn. From the top down. Alright. In Hebrews chapter 7. It tells us. It tells us the conclusion of why the veil. Was torn. And why it was torn. From the top down. 
Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 7, verses 20 through 28. The book of Hebrews chapter 7, verses 20 through 28. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath. But he with an oath by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the utmost, to the uttermost, excuse me, those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. Verse 26 to 28 again. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. There is nothing standing in our way from receiving salvation. We have no excuse why not to accept Christ Jesus into our life. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years ago. We may have had an excuse. All right. It wouldn't have worked. <laughs> but we may have had an excuse. All right. Maybe I was sick and I couldn't present my sacrifice. I was away at war. I was fighting. I didn't have time to present my sacrifice, whatever it may be. But now there is no excuse why not to accept Christ Jesus into our lives. There is nothing separating us from God. There is no longer anything that is keeping us from salvation. Don't be like those people who are so busy mocking Jesus, they don't even know what's going on around them. They don't even know 
that they have the opportunity to receive Christ. Because they're too caught up in their own ways. Don't be like that person. We have the free gift of Christ Jesus now. It's free. We don't have to let anyone else handle our offerings. We don't have to wait till a certain day to ask God for forgiveness. He's right there whenever we need him. All we have to do is call on his son, Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and Savior. I'm going to close right there. And I'm going to close with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, O Lord, for the reading of your word. I pray, O Lord, that you just continue to give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in the reading of your word, Heavenly Father. I thank you, O Lord, for dying on the cross for our sins so that we would no longer be separated from you, O Lord. So that we may have the opportunity to receive salvation, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you just continue to give us that desire and that passion and that will to continue to study your word, O oh Lord. Lord, I thank you, O oh Lord God, for your many blessings and for everything that you have given us. In your name I pray, O oh Lord. Amen. Now, before I go, I want to leave you with this verse. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Galatians chapter 6 verses 9. Thank you.